Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome to the Chronic Podcast with host Ralph Malbro and featuring bloggers Andrew Juge of thesaintsnation.com, Kevin Held of The Team Drops the Ball, and Dave Cariello of Canal Street Chronicles. This podcast is nothing but serious football talk and hardcore analysis. Which four of you would survive the longest in the zombie apocalypse, and in which order would you die? Well, Ralph, no offense, you're going first. Oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. The zombies would smell Dave's sugar blood and target him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They'd get his. <laughs> I don't even have a joke, Dave. <laughs> Dave. Dave smells like nougat. Now here's your host, Ralph Malbrose. Alright, welcome to a special edition of the Chronic Podcast. It's the draft extravaganza. Uh, as always, we are sponsored by the Pelican House, 2572 City Place Court, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. You can go watch the Pelicans in the playoffs, LSU baseball. The, you might have just watched the spring game for LSU football. Go there, watch the draft. They got 136 draft beers, a 50-foot TV. The Pelican House, 2572 City Place Court, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. You should support them because they support us. Alright, I got Andrew Juge. I got... Andrew's draft guru, analyst extraordinaire, Brian Pavick of Saints Nation. And we're just going to go hardcore draft this whole podcast. If you love the draft, you're going to love this podcast. We're going to break it all down. Uh, guys, thanks for joining us. Um, I'll start with you, Brian, because you, you, you do like mock draft scenarios one, two, three on the Saints Nation. So you delve into this draft. I got Mike Detillier's book, and I make that, and I watch YouTube clips. So I pretend to be an expert, but I'm not. So this draft—I <laughs> don't think there are any draft experts. No, ever. there's a few. Um, so give me this draft as you look at it. The deepest position that you're like, oh my god, that position is crazy deep, and you can get a guy that is going to be an NFL starter in like round three or four, even if guys go off the board at, at an incredible rate? Uh, I think it's, I think it's three different positions. Um, they're kind of equally deep, just in different ways. Um, wide receiver isn't as deep uh, this year as it was last year at the top, but I think the middle and the bottom of the wide receiver class are actually better than last year's. It just doesn't have as many superstars or potential superstars. Mm-hmm. Um, the running back position this is the best running back draft we've had in probably four or five years. There's some guys, legit first round talents. Um, Gurley would be a top five pick if, if he didn't have that knee injury. Um, he's even, the, even he's probably in, the best. Even bet. if, even in the, we don't draft running backs in the first round anymore. Would, even if Gurley, if Gurley's knee was healthy, you still think he'd be a top five guy? Yes. I'll, I'll put it to you like this. Even in the modern era, Get a time machine, bring Adrian Peterson back. He comes into this draft. Adrian Peterson's a top five pick. They don't take running backs because you can get middle to up to mid upper tier talents all the way through the the draft. And the Saints are like the absolute best at finding. Wait, what? What the f- is that guy's name? And then you see him on the film and you go, 
why wasn't he on any mock drafts? Like Kyrie Robinson's a perfect example of it. Kyrie could start for half of the the, the teams in the league and be very productive. What? He can't even get any snaps on the Saints. What's the other two positions that are deep? The other two positions, uh, it's wide receiver, and then I, I think it's offensive guard, actually. This draft has a lot of guard talent. Yeah, they got um, the guy. Even into the sixth round. Yeah, we, we'll talk about the guy from Hogwarts. I like him. <laughs> so, Andrew, what is a position that's not, I wouldn't say, you could say weakest, but I like to think of it as there's going to be guys in every position that's going to come out of this draft usually. But what's a position where, like, if you don't pick a guy in the first or second round at that position, you're probably not going to get an NFL starter or contributor later yeah well real quick i just want to say i think brian nailed it i, I couldn't agree with him more 100 percent. i think the receiving receiver class is ridiculous this year in terms of depth and i agree at the top it's maybe not as top heavy as last year but uh that's why when you're the saints and we can we'll dive into this more later but you don't necessarily want to take a receiver in the first round because you feel good that even if you don't take one right up at the top, you drop to the third round. There's still going to be guys that can help your team possibly even start. So uh, nose tackles, another one or, or defensive tackle is very deep in this draft. So that that's one that I think um, there's a lot of good talent out there. But in terms of the positions that are not as strong, I mean, I think you, you take the top two quarterbacks out of the equation and the quarterback position is god awful this year. And we've talked mm. about we we've talked about the Saints possibly taking a guy this year. Uh, you know, is this the year that the Saints maybe draft a guy and, and groom him underneath Drew Brees? But I think the Saints are going to have to be very careful about forcing that because other than maybe Brett Hundley, the kid from UCLA, or maybe Brett oh Petty, Brett Hundley, oh god from from, from Baylor, not, I mean, not Brett Hundley. Yeah, not I mean th- those guys are probably the best guys after Winston and Mariota. So really, and after that, it, it falls off even worse. Um, so I think quarterback in particular is very very poor. Um, I think tight tight end is kind of weak, honestly. I mean, I think there's a lot of guys that are going to be decent, but there's no one in this class that's like even like an Eric Ebron, you know. Or there, there's just no tight end that, that you feel is going to be a dominant receiver. I mean, Max Williams is kind of the one guy out of Minnesota that you think could be like a starter, a quality player, maybe a pro bowler, but there's not any superstar tight ends in this draft, which after you lose Jimmy Graham maybe makes you a little nervous. Now, Brian – Let's start with the positions. We'll start with the positions the Saints arguably need the most. So defensive and defensive linemen, who do you like there and who's going to be who's going to be the guy that if I said pick pick me two guys that in 3 years on the defensive line position that are going to be really good who are those guys now are we talking ends or tackles or just both well let's start at tackles let's start with the tackles yeah i'll start with tackles um for we'll, we'll take leonard williams out of it he's the best player in the draft just in a vacuum it's between him and cooper best player in the draft and it's it's not even close we don't have a prayer we could give up our whole draft go full uh you know riggy williams we're still not getting it yeah so we'll take him out of it to me, the two guys at defensive tackle, if you want to go two, three years down the road and we look back and we go, that was a really good pick. It's either Danny Shelton, who looks like he eats people on film. Just, just eats them whole. And he wears like dresses and skirts while he works out, which is kind of weird. So, hey, you know, I mean, we, we kind of get our Kenny Stills replacement yeah. right there. 
but you know he's a little bit more of a curvy girl, so we're okay with that. Yeah. Um, the other guy is Malcolm Brown. I think Malcolm Brown potentially has the highest ceiling of every defensive tackle prospect in this draft. He's a freak athlete, and he's actually he looks solid on film. Like he can play. It's not just he's a workout warrior. The guy puts out good film, and most importantly, it's steady improvement because that's what you really want to see in a draft prospect. Guys who look great in college, you have to remember, they're also going against college talent. So the thing you're most looking for is the ability to improve. And Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. Dot edu slash podcast and continue improving that's where malcolm brown is shooting up draft boards because well, people are going back and looking at him well andrew here's my question i was watching the nfl network and i think it was a, a point that mike mayak made but i thought it was really interesting and and danny shelton he's a guy that i really like because the saints defensive their run defense was garbage it got worse as the year went along. And here's my but here's my question with Danny Shelton is Mike Mayak said, look, if you only think he's an elite run defender, then he's not a top 15 guy. He's just a late first, early second round guy if he can't be an elite run stopper and give you pass rush. But my question is, Andrew, so what if I told you that Danny uh, Shelton was going to be Vince Wolfark? against the run or that quality for five to 10 years, isn't he worth picking at 13 for the saints? If you really feel like you need to fix your interior. Absolutely. Without question. I think when you look at these players, you really got have to ask yourself, the position almost doesn't matter. Your team is better off with a difference maker than regardless of the position he plays, than drafting for a need getting a guy that's mediocre or, or average, but, but, but he's filling that need for you. Um, you know, it, it, you're better off having, it, it's the old adage that you're better off having five good receivers than two good receivers and th- and two average linebackers, for example. So yeah. you, when you have a chance, we've to tried draft, that. Yeah, yeah. You, when you want, when you ha- want a chance to, when you have a chance to draft a superstar, um, you take it and, I mean, for me, Shelton is is just one of those guys that there's not a lot of guys in this draft that you can look at and say he's a pretty surefire bet. And for me, you remember this, Ralph. I was really hoping that Starlo Tulele would yeah. fall to the Saints. He ends up going one pick ahead of them to the Panthers. I was crushed. But that was a guy I felt this way about. He goes to the Panthers, and the impact that he's made on that defense the last two years has been significant. 
Uh, for me, Danny Shelton is a guy just like that, even more dominant than Lotulele against the run. And as bad as the Saints have been at stopping the run, he is just that nose plug. And, and, and really, if you're going to do a 3-4 right, it all starts with that guy up front. And Shelton can absolutely be that guy for the Saints. Brian, yeah. at end, what's the guy that most intrigues you? And what's the guy that scares the crap out of you? And and by the way, is a position that I think is also very weak. In yeah. This yeah. No. No. My question on that, just to clarify, are we talking uh, four three end slash three four outside linebacker hybrid types because we run a hybrid scheme, or are we talking three four ends like Cameron Jordan, like Akeem Hicks? Oh, uh, well, let's start there. Let's start three four. Let's start. Uh, let's start with the hybrid because I feel like that would be the the pick that the, that people think the Saints may lean if they were going to. Okay. It, it's, it might just be me personally, but uh, I actually, before the podcast, I went and rewatched all the film I had on him just to make sure that I felt confident in my opinion. I think Alvin Dupree, Bud Dupree out of Kentucky, has the highest ceiling of any defensive player in this draft, period. But beyond that, he's the best outside linebacker prospect because he's actually an outside linebacker. He shows he can cover on tape. He shows flashes of good technique, so it's not just raw athleticism. I think his biggest issue was coaching. I don't think he had good coaching. His inconsistency, the way he showed it, it screams coaching to me. Andrew. The guy I don't want is Shane Ray. Uh, Only because we run a hybrid, because he cannot play outside linebacker. If we were 4-3, I want Shane Ray. He can rush the passer, but he can't stop the run, and he can't move laterally. Andrew. Um, Dupree scares the crap out of me, and this is why nothing since Sean Payton has arrived gives me any confidence that the Saints know how to make linebackers better. Yeah, and you you look at uh, who, who's the coach. It's uh, Joe, Joe Vitt. That that would be the guy that's developing him, and he doesn't have a very good track. I, I love Joe Vitt. I love that he's on the staff. Uh, but didn't we didn't. bring in another new guy for outside linebacker or for the linebacker and coaches too in the offseason? Yeah, we brought we in a second guy. That's true. Um, yeah, I, I don't know his history. Hopefully, it would be an improvement. Um, but hard, so it would hard, be, hard to be worse. Hard to be worse. Yep. Uh, but I agree with Brian. I, I think Dupree's ceiling is is very high. Uh, I think 13 is a little early to pick him. I think if the Saints were to trade back, get some extra picks, and then and then take him at 16 or 17. Uh, that that level feels a little bit a uh, little bit better for me, but I think 13 is a little high for Dupree just because while his ceiling is ridiculously high, uh, Brian's absolutely right about that. Uh, he's not 100% polished, and so you're never really sure with guys like that. Are are, are they? Is it going to be another guy like your boy from the Dolphins? You know, or Deion Jordan? Where well, here's an, here's he doesn't an, pan out. Here's an, here's a name. Here's a name that Brian may not. He may recognize the name, but he may not have been watching film on him back in the day. And this is the guy that I think of when I think of Buddy Dupree is Vernon Golston for the Jets. Oh, of course, yeah. He was a. He was. A, they were like, oh, he was so good at Ohio State. He had body. He's everything you want. And dude was horrible. And that's what pops in my head when I see Dupree. I mean, I, I've been very vocal about this. My dream scenario is Vic Beasley. I think if he falls to thirteen. Hallelujah. Um, you know, he, he's, he's just the, the complete package. I mean, 
you know, you just heard Brian talk about Dupree being able to play outside linebacker. Beasley is a guy that comes to you for minute one, knows the position, can play it, can play against the run, can cover. It is a dominant, terrifying path rusher. And I think the Saints immediately have a guy that's not only going to come in and replace Junior Gallette, uh, but, uh, you know, basically make turn Junior Gallette into a pass rush only specialist, which is what he should be. Well, and it's, and it's, it's, I think he'll thrive in that role, too. I think uh, Justin Houston is actually not by talent, but by by style is somewhat similar to Junior, and he's mostly a third-down guy, and you saw what he did last year. Yeah. Junior's problem is, outside of off the field, um, I'm pretty sure I've had farts that are smarter than Junior Gallette, but on the field, he can't handle the read option most of the time, and he's just god-awful against the run. But he does have a high motor, and he can really get to the quarterback. Put him just on third down most of the time, and Junior's going to be a double sack guy for a while. I mean, they pay they 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 pay Junior for sacks. That's what they did, and he got them sacks. I don't. I mean, Junior, he's a crazy person, and he and he's and he's got one he's got one skill, and it's elite. You know. Here's my question, though, and Andrew, I'll start with you. Who are guys if, – if the Saints, if they say they would go, you know, not draft a pass rusher and outside linebacker with one of the first two picks of the first mm-hmm. round, who's a guy in the second round that Saints fans should start looking at as a guy that could possibly be there late in the second, or maybe, you know, maybe they finesse stuff and they trade up and move around in that second to early third round that, that you need to keep in mind for pass rushers. Yeah. I mean, I think if they pass um, early, you know, Eli Harold's a guy that that's kind of all over the place. I mean, he's a guy that um, some drafts have going in the er early first round. Uh, Some have him dropping and maybe he'll be available around that second round level. Um, for the Saints, but yeah, I, I think if, if he's he's still around later in the draft, I watched him play at UVA. Um, he, his problem is he, he's just slight of frame, you know, and and he's he's a poor man's Barkevius Mingo. Yeah. Um, but but if he can add some weight, uh, he he was a very disruptive guy, and he's just so quick around the edge. Um, he's a guy that could come in, you know, specifically as a pass rushing only specialist, and and if that was his only role on the team. Um, coming in on third down, I think uh, he could do that very well for for any NFL team. So that, that's a guy I take a look at. And and you know another guy I'll throw out there, Daniel Hunter, you know of LSU. I, I just again he's kind of a hybrid guy. We don't really know where his place is in terms of because of his body, and he just hasn't grown into it. But um, I, I think that's another guy that um, you know either he needs to get a little bigger. Um, and be a defensive end, or maybe he can play outside linebacker, but he'd be a real liability in coverage and that sort of thing. A guy who, he, and I'm just saying this because I saw him on a couple of games for Oregon, but I know, Brian, you're you're out that way. Uh, Arik Armstead, just on some no. highlights in some games. No. No? <laughs> you, you just ask about players that scare you. Yeah. I am terrified the Saints might take him. Oh yeah. He would he, he's the kind of guy like his his measurables, his relative size. If we're talking basketball, I love a guy with that big thick frame. But football, 
six seven for a defensive tackle. The thing with line play is it's all about leverage. There's the saying, lowest man wins. He's not getting lower than anybody without falling over. <laughs> um, and, and also, he, he's, he can be absolutely dominant at times, but he also gets dominated. Yeah. And we're just, you know, I, I have this personal favorite phrase I, I, for, for prospects. I call certain guys coin flip guys. And it's not necessarily, yeah. you know, boom or bust, but it's an either or. Armstead's either going to be a pro bowler or he's going to be out of the league in two years. He's going to make Deion Jordan look like a really smart draft pick. And that's the his thing. Ra- the, the, his the range thing, is that wide. And, and the thing about coin flip guys is you look at these mock drafts. Some mocks have him going third overall, and others have him barely in the first round. And those are the guys that should make you nervous. When you look at these mock drafts, when you look at ESPN and NFL.com yeah. and all these rating sites – and, and and it's all over the place, and there's not really a consensus. That is, to me, usually a warning sign that no one's really figured this guy out, and usually that's a sign that they could be awesome, but more more likely than not, there'll be a bust. Inside linebacker, Brian, who do you like? I feel like the Saints, I feel like they're, I know history says they haven't done something there, they don't draft, but I feel like, they're gonna they're gonna have to take some swings at linebacker again because the guys they picked last year didn't pan out. Who at inside linebacker do you really like that would be potential in that th- at 31 or second or third round guys yes. inside 31 or, or 44. In my opinion, we need to take at least one inside linebacker at either or maybe both 31 and 44 depending on on who's there and, and what we get before. Mm-hmm. I think the top inside linebacker in the draft um, is still Eric Kendricks. Um, mm-hmm. He just put out the he put out the best tape all the way throughout college and you love his consistency. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of fluctuation with his game. But and he's guy, a four down think, guy. Yeah. I think he's gonna be gone at thirty one. If he if he's there or if he, he if he's even there at, at twenty seven, moving from thirty one to twenty seven is gonna cost you maybe one of your third rounders, but you can probably get away with like a fifth rounder to just move I mean, those couple of Mike spots Dettelier, at the end of the first. You do it. Mike Dettelier has him at 37. Oh, then I, I, if he's there at 31, you take him and you smile. You, you skip to the podium. If he's I, not there, Stefan Anthony out of Clemson, I love what Stefan Anthony brings to the table. Very smart player. He's not slow. Fantastic motor. He's not slow. Yeah. No, no, he's not slow. He can move. He's uh, like the anti Lofton. Yeah, here's or Hawthorne. <laughs> and 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 that's one of the things where you know, and we'll get to the offensive line in a little bit. But that's one of the things that Sean Payton that, that just burned in my brain. That he, one of the things that he said at the owner meeting, he's like, we got to get faster from side to side on defense. We got to get faster to the ball. Um, Andrew at corner. Uh, where do you think? the saints are feeling as far as the need for the corner and who do you really like in this draft? Look, man, I know it's Brian's not a huge fan of this, but I still, what's coming. Yeah. I still just think Trey Wayne's is, is the best corner hands down in this draft and corners tough. I mean, I, we, we've all agreed on this and we all know that, uh, it's the toughest position to develop, and so there's not a lot of guys that are going to come in 
uh, year one and make an impact and be able to start uh, without some growing pains. And so ideally, uh, you, you're, you develop these guys as time goes on. Uh, the good news about this draft in terms of the corners that are out there is there's a lot of guys. And I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of guys that, that, that you could develop. The Saints are in a better situation right now than they have been in a while. I mean, I, really since Jabari Greer got hurt. And uh, that's having two starters that allow you to kind of groom the guys behind them. You have Keenan Lewis and Brandon Brown are now two guys that are going to hold it down. And I, I, th- I really do think they'll do a good job as long as there's no injuries. Um, but I, I just still think you need that number three guy, especially in a league that you're seeing three and four receiver sets way more often than you're seeing anything else. You need three corners. You need four corners. And, and if, if a guy, God forbid, a guy goes down, you need six corners, you know, on your roster to be able to deal with Aaron Rodgers and his four receiver sets. And if you want to win games, I mean, go back and I was watching the 2009 season, um, the Saints DVD this weekend with my son. And the one thing I noticed was, my God, that secondary was awesome. Tracy Porter, Jabari Greer. I mean, they're just constantly coming up with picks. Uh, you know, Randall Gay was a serviceable um, nickel guy, and then Mike McKenzie comes in out of nowhere, and he's getting picks. And Darren Sharper is the free safety, had like double-digit picks on the year. So we need more guys getting their hands on the ball and, and mm. being good in coverage. So for me, Waynes is great. If you drop to lower, um, J- Jalen Collins out of LSU, he's big, you know, and, and we know the Saints like corners big- with size. Yeah. And, he, and he faced good competition. Collins looked really strong against Cooper when he faced him, and that – matters more part of why Wayne's looks so good on film um and I'll and I'll keep this brief because I could probably do a whole podcast <laughs> based on why I don't want Wayne's uh, it's just personal opinion but Wayne's didn't play anybody um and then he he also played behind a lot of guys but yeah and my issue with Wayne's isn't that he's a bad player I, I don't think he's a bad player all right so Trey Wayne's is to me, he's he's on a very short list of moves that if the Saints draft him at 13, I'm going to throw my remote at my TV. <laughs> and, it, and it's not just, I don't think he can play the game, because I think he can. His value at 13 relative to the other prospects, based on, you know, there's only 12 people above us, and I see 15 guys that are worth taking at 13, and he's not on that list. So there's going to be somebody that brings more value relative to what we have and to what we can get later. Cause we can he, get slot corners later. Yeah. Here's the, he's here, not worth it at 13. Here's the, that's thing. a good point. That's a good point. Cause like, if you look at that, it's kind of the same argument I made about receiver. Don't feel like you got to take one at 13 to 31 because there's so many, you can, you can get a good one later. Focus on the positions that you have a superstar at, at the top that you're not going to be able to fill yeah, later. And here's, here's the, the same that, argument. Here's the thing that I always remember Mike Dettelier telling me about uh, grading plus, and he said, well, the easiest players to grade are like guards and tackles because they do something every play if you're a guard yeah. or a tackle. He said, corner is so difficult because a lot of times in college, especially late in their sophomore or junior year, teams will be like, oh, that's a, that's a, that's a good corner. We're not throwing at him. So his tape isn't worthwhile, you know, and he says sometimes you can you know it because it's like it's Dion or it's Patrick Peterson or whoever, you know it. But a lot of times you don't. It's like Alex Molden. He was an OK NFL corner. 
but he wasn't worthy of a first round pick. So it becomes really hard to grade corners. So that kind of is there any other thoughts that you guys have? And I'll start with you, Andrew, on on defense that you want to get across as players that you're interested in or just overall thoughts on the on the defensive class? Well, minimum, 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 minimum. The Saints need to get three guys out of those first five picks in the th- in the first three rounds. Uh, ideally, they go four out of five defense. And if they're going to try to fix this defense, if they're going to try to get players that are going to improve this roster, um, especially that side of the ball, um, it has to be the focus. And so if you get a guard or you get a receiver in the first three rounds, great. I want minimum three defensive guys, preferably four. Um, and so now, you know, you ask w- what positions are those? Ideally, um, you know, I think the secondary right now maybe feels a little bit better than it has been. I, I think it starts up front. I still think pass rush, stopping the run, uh, those are all things that are going to make your secondary look better. And I think in large part, the Saints have gone a long way towards fixing their secondary with Bro, Wilson, uh, Browner. Uh, you know, hopefully Jairus Bird comes back and he's healthy. And so that's that's they've got a lot of safeties on this roster if they can stay healthy. So for me, it, it's got to be linebacker. It's got to be pass rush. It's got to be the interior. Yeah. If you can walk away after these five picks with I'm just throwing this out there, Danny Shelton, Stefan Anthony, and um, gosh, I mean some some Nate Orchard, he might be there at 44. Sure, sure, you know, just like a, a solid, or, or or the guy from UCLA who, who who would be another great name for Ralph to pronounce. Yeah, it would be. Uh, yeah. Owa Magbe or, uh, or something like that. Ogi Zua. Or how like about Effa Akapur Alamalu from right. Oregon? That'd be oh, another. yeah, that's another guy. Yeah, for sure. But anyway, a combination of that where you're pretty sure that the th- three of them can help you out immediately, and maybe one doesn't pan out, but two out of three are hits and they're starters, they're yeah. contributing. That, that's what needs to happen in this draft for the Saints to get competitive. Because let's, let's be honest, guys. The Saints have a lot of holes in their roster right yeah, now. Yeah, they do. Brian... Give me your thoughts on offensive line, because we'll go to the offensive side. Give me thoughts on offensive linemen at guard or tackle that you really, really like. All right, so first name I'll throw out, partially because I know you are the acting chairman of the fan club. I do really like Lel Collins. Um I think he's a good pick at 13. It depends on what else is there because I'd rather get a defender. Um, the only thing with Lael that worries me a little bit is uh, I'm not a huge fan of his pass protection. Now, some of that could just be because LSU couldn't pass the ball. <laughs> and when you have no confidence in your quarterback, it does affect your blocking and it affects the whole line. So we really won't know until he gets into the league. But it's it's just it's a little ding on him that makes me go mm, maybe not at thirteen. But if they take him, I'm fine with it. He you know I, I have no issue with the pick. He just not he's not at the top of my board. The reason I don't go guard there though is is in particular the guy uh, there's two guys I really like. One of which should be there in the third round. Um, there's Lincoln Tomlinson out of Duke. Um, he's not a super athlete. But if you look around the league of the best offensive lines, most of them aren't super athletes. Yeah, they're super skilled. Detailier's got him going forty to the Giants. 
and it and it could happen. Um, but if he if he's there in the third, I I take him because he can really play. The other guy is the the guy you wanted to talk about, uh, Ali Marpet. If you're looking at the measurables, um, he's not Carl Nix category because Carl Nix was just Carl Nix isn't human <laughs> as far as just his, his what his physical ability was, and more than that, his mentality. He was so mean and nasty on the line, and you really need that, especially yeah. to run. But Marpet isn't that far off from it, just from the measurable. And even though he he faced lower competition, he went to the Senior Bowl and he do, he dominated Shelton in the Senior Bowl when they were you know when they were in practice and running drills. He was dom- dominating the guy who's supposed to be the best def- defensive tackle in the draft. That tells you something. He's yeah. it's not too big for him. So if, if at guard, either of those two guys, I'm really happy with it. Um, there's also, you know, Jackson out of Florida State, AJ Khan, we might take at 31 if he's there. It's a deep draft for for guard. For tackle, there's some good players. I don't think there's any game changers. I think I think Lel would be the only guy you can yeah. really use as a swing player, start him at guard and move him to tackle later. Andrew, who who sticks out? A two-part question. Who sticks out that you really like at, on the offensive line? And if the Saints don't do anything in the first three rounds, let's say, on offensive line, are you okay with it? So first things first, I think at 13, you have to seriously consider an offensive lineman. And I just told you that I want three out of the five picks, if not four out of the five, to be defense. But I think at 13, if Brandon Scherf or Lael Collins, either of those guys, is there at 13, you have to seriously consider it. Yeah. And I, we've, we've talked about this before, Ralph. My main reason for, for saying this is it's a two birds with one stone issue um, because I think the Saints' depth at tackle is so bad. You know, and you br- it's not bad, I, I, Andrew. I, they don't have any. Yeah, it's Bryce Harris is, is basically – Ralph well would make a better right tackle than Bryce Harris. Exactly. And so now you, you have Teron Armstead, you have Zach Streif, guys that you like, guys that are good players, but they've both had injury history in the last yeah. two years. They've both missed games. And so for me, this is a two-bird with one stone because Scherf and Lel Collins have that mean, nasty, physical streak that they can start at left guard. They can come in year one and play left guard and start for the Saints. Yeah. And if a tackle goes down, no problem. You plug Lolito in a guard. He's ha- got starting experience or there. Kelamete. He's done okay. Or Kelamete. You can put either of those guys at guard. You feel better about your depth on the interior. Yeah. And you rotate the rookie out to tackle. And I think that for me, it's a two bird with one stone. It fills two needs that – is why for me you have to really consider that at 13. There's just not many guys in this draft beyond yeah. those and two players that can patch you at both spots. And this is what I'm going to say, and I, I predicted it. I'm going to write it in my Channel 4 column, which will probably go up Monday of draft week. And I feel really good about Al Collins' pick because Sean Payton in the owners' meeting said the most important thing is the two yards in front of Drew Brees. We have to win that. We win the game. I, I think I think him saying that means the Saints. I think they're gonna get offensive linemen. I think it might even be a scenario, Brian, where it'll drive our friend and podcast regular Kevin Held insane. 
but I think they they might move to get one of the linemen. I really think they might move from 13 to 10 or 9 to make sure they get one of them. That's how strongly you know, that's how strongly I feel that they're going to they're going to take they're going to take just, a lineman at 13. Now Ralph, quick question, are, are are so assuming they do this, assuming they take a tackle at 13, one of these two guys. Are you saying they're going gangbusters defense at at after that pick at the expense of getting a playmaker for Breeze? I would say probably I would say probably of the of the next, let's see, they have the two thirds and the two fifths, and the and they, they they would have they would have six more picks in the in the first five rounds. I would say they probably go five on defense, and they might go one tight end or receiver in the the rest of those hot those those that batch of picks. My money would be on Devin Smith out of Ohio State or uh, Walford out of Miami, which would be ironic considering we lose Jimmy and then we get a tight end out of Miami who has similar measurables, but is actually his best attribute is his blocking. Yeah. Before we get to Tyler uh, Lockett's another guy that could be a nice replacement for stills later in the draft. Yeah. Yeah. Who's, who's a guy before we get to, before we get to draft scenarios and I throw out and we get to a bunch of Twitter questions that people have. Is there anything else as far as specific positions that I haven't touched on? That, that guys that you want to bring up that you really, really like or don't want the Saints to pick. And it can be anything that I miss that you just are dying to, to get out there. Andrew, I'll start with you. Yeah, I mean, I, I've talked about this before, but for me, Randy Gregory, I mean, any of these red red flag guys, um, but Randy Gregory for me is the one um, that I really don't want to mess with. And I've said this before, I, a lot of people – don't have issue with his his marijuana thing and i get it like none of us a lot of us don't feel like weed is a big deal but it's it's a different that's a different topic though it's a different topic this isn't about personal use or if it's a big deal and it should be legalized i'm talking specific to the nfl first of all ask josh gordon if it's a big deal or not, because we all know how it's played out for him. No, you, and, you can't ask Josh Gordon. You smoke so much weed, he can't remember. Yeah, he can't remember. But <laughs> clearly for me, Randy Gregory is a guy that he couldn't turn it off before the combine. He, he literally couldn't pass a combine test when he knew that it was like that three-day window he just had to lay off. And that's and he, the, it, and and he couldn't do it. And that's basically the "Are you stupid?" test that the NFL gives you. They're like, "We're going to drug test you at the combine. Are you stupid?" And yeah. and Randy Gregory, he checked, "Yes, I'm stupid." So yeah. and, and and I I think when when you see that, for me, it, it's pretty clear the guy has a problem. He's born if, to be a If red you're star. not able to turn it off <laughs> for three days, you have a problem. I don't think he'll be there. He's born. He was born to be a redskin. Um, he, he really is a Snyder pick. He is. So uh, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll change the logo. They'll have the still. They'll still have the Redskins. They won't change the name, but they'll add a blunt to the mouth. You have to let it show at home. <laughs> Brian, is there any <laughs> anything that we have when, when we went through all the positions on offense and defense? Any any guys that you just want to bring up specifically, good or bad feelings that you um, have about it? There, there's there's one guy that Andrew knows that I, that I'm really high on. Um, uh, Shaq Thompson out of uh, Washington. I don't I don't think he's a good pick at 13. Um, just because of value, if they moved down into the mid twenties and picked up another pick or something, I'd look at him. Fun. He, could be, somehow, he could be there if, at thirty-one. Yeah, I was just about to say, if he drops to thirty-one, 
just I want you to think of this. Kenny Vaccaro is basically a strong safety who really plays more like a linebacker. Shaq Thompson is a pure linebacker with similar coverage skills to a safety or corner. Fun. Give Rob Ryan both of those toys. It's scary. Fun, fun, fun exercise. Mike Dettelier has Stephon Anthony going 44 to the Saints. He has Shaq Thompson going 45. If you can only kick one of them, who do you pick? I take Anthony. More sure prospect. Thompson yeah, is yeah. the higher ceiling, and he's a playmaker. If if other parts in our linebacking core were secure, I take Thompson because he's a flat out playmaker. Anthony's the better linebacker, and I think it's uh, me. Uh, Barry Hurstius from uh, Big Easy Believer and a few other guys have been ranting about this all offseason. I firmly believe the Saints had the worst linebacking core in the NFL last year. We need linebackers. They're the core of your defense. We don't have any. Any that are beyond, okay, he wasn't awful today. Yay. Come on, you don't like Ellerby? Cricket. Um, well, I think I think Ralph said it best. <laughs> <laughs> Here, okay. Here's my here. All right now, now we're gonna get into the fun part where I just I'm gonna throw out a couple scenarios before we get to Twitter questions. So I'm gonna start with this scenario: the Saints are on the clock at 13, Andrew, and and uh, Amari Cooper is there. No God. And he's not getting past four. And there is uh, Danny Shelton. Is there? Who do you take? Yeah, I, I hate this. Or, or, or I gotta go, Cooper. I, I just think a talent of that level, if it drops to you and you have an opportunity to give Breeze a toy like that, I mean, you wouldn't miss the loss of Jimmy Graham. It would atone for it in in two seconds. And, and it, I, 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 we, I we get think, a better player. You, you have to take – when you get guys of that level, like a Julio Jones-type level, uh, you know, he, he would come in year one and potentially produce like Odell Beckham did. Brian, is, is there any scenario where Amari Cooper would be there when the Saints pick? Is there any scenario where you'd be like, they shouldn't pick him? Uh, yeah, only one if Leonard Williams is there. <laughs> I said at the beginning, the top two players in this draft are Leonard Williams and Amari Cooper. Leonard, Leonard Williams could murder somebody between now and the draft, and he's not going to be there at 13. I don't no, think. No, wait, I, I no, don't I, think. I'm dead serious. <laughs> Cooper isn't making it to 13. No way in hell. The, the draft Knicks can run their mouths all they want. The Raiders are taking him at four unless Leonard Williams drop. You can book that. Andrew can change my Twitter pick, pick again if he wants. They if said, he doesn't go at four. Brian, Brian I think there's no way the Raiders consider Kevin White over him. No way in hell. Here's the one thing. They with watch the film. I think and, I agree. Cooper, they, Cooper fits Carr's skill set better than White. White's a better playmaker. Cooper's a better receiver. They Oakland's went, trying to build a contender. They went out to – Clemson, they sent like the GM, the linebacker coach, and the coordinator out to Clemson to watch Vic Beasley work out. So, I mean, maybe, um, but we'll see. Yeah, we we um, sent half our staff to LSU. We're not. That doesn't mean we're going to take Jalen Collins at thirty-one. No. Um, and okay, so Brian, here's another scenario at thirteen. You've got Shelton, or you have Shreef. Or let me say, Shreef or sure. Shreef or Bud, Shreff. Shreff or Bud Dupree 
at 13. Ooh, that's a tough one. Only because it's me, and uh, he's at the top of my board. He's basically my dream pick for this team. I take Bud Dupree. But if they take Scherf, I'm certainly not mad about it. But I, I, I take Bud. I like his motor. He has high marks for character. Big time leader. Who's getting out of their car? And the check marks I would make for a prospect. So I want the Bud Debris because I think. Oop, we just lost Brian. I think. Andrew, you there? Is anybody there? Is anybody there at yeah, all? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Okay. Okay. Um, so we lost Brian. He'll be back. Um, I'm gonna start with you, Andrew. As we do these draft scenarios, we've done enough. I mean. It's, it, I think it's interesting. I'm not even going to try to get into draft scenarios at 31, but, but here's a scenario that, that I want you to discuss for people is as they're watching the draft, as it goes along and these picks are coming off, as a Saint fan, because we do these mock drafts, but there's always going to be – there's going to be at least one team or there's going to be at least two picks in the top ten where people go – What? Oh, what they did? What? That's why Jacksonville's still terrible. That's yep. why the Raiders are the Raiders. Like it's gonna happen. So, can you guys hear me? Yeah, we can hear you, Brian. So, Andrew, of the scenario of those of the crazy unexpected picks that are gonna happen in the top ten, what are the picks that have to happen where Saints fans will be like, "Hell yeah, that just happened!" High five. Well, I think first and foremost, you want the two quarterbacks to go in the before the Saints pick, because it just drops the rest of the talent. So I think you really have to hope for that. Um, number two, if we're really hoping for defense, I think you really want three receivers to go before the Saints pick, and I think that could happen. You know, I think Cooper and White are, are probably both gone. Mm-hmm. Devonte Parker is another one that I think could go before 13. And so, you know, I think you want these offensive players to, to push push the board down. I mean, if you're asking me what's my big hope, my big hope is that a guy like Arik Armstead, you know, who some people have him going crazy high. Um, oh, please let Atlanta take him. Yeah, pretty, I mean, if, 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 if Atlanta were to take Arik Armstead or, um, you know, if someone were to not care about Randy Gregory's issues and, and take him anyway, um, you know, in the top ten, uh, then, then I, I see a scenario where the Saints are picking at 13 and they're staring at, Lel Collins, maybe even Brandon Scherf too, Bud Dupree, uh, Danny Shelton, and, and basically having their pick of their litter, and, and Trey Waynes too, you know, and, and just having all of those guys available. Um, I told you my dream scenario is still for Vic Beasley to fall, but if those other scenarios I told you about happen, um, the Saints are going to have a pick from about five different dudes that I think I would be really psyched to get. Brian, what's the opposite of that? What's the scenario as a Saint fan and you're watching, you're like, I can't believe this is happening. All the players we want are gone. What what scenario where where they pick at 13 and it's not not as appetizing as the one Andrew just laid out? Um, I really don't think as long as the Saints don't move up and and reach and take a bad player, because those two quarterbacks are there, and you know at least one of them is going to go, 
I actually don't think there's a scenario where the Saints don't have at least one good option at 13. There's some, you know, there's less appetizing options. Like, worst case scenario, you're left with, uh, I don't know, Trey Waynes and Randy Gregory are the guys at the top of your board. And they're the only two left at 13. In which case, I have to bite the bullet and I say Trey Waynes or, or, Kevin's birthday comes early and we trade down and, yeah. <laughs> and he, instead of wrestling, he actually skips around the ring. Like he's AJ Lee, by the way, give him that reference and he'll, he'll throw something at me, but he'll laugh. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, 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 I look, I think there's 15 players in this draft that are, that are worth taking for the saints. And so I don't see there being a doomsday at 13, but there's definitely Brian. Who, so, on. so tell me who are the bottom three guys on your board that you see as, like worst case scenario that that this is who they'd have to choose from. Uh, at um at fifteen and I don't I don't have my whole board in front of me, but off the head it's um I have Wayne's at fifteen just because of value. I think I've said enough about him. Um I have um Randy Gregory at fourteen because um he's an idiot. Um because on, on the film I think he's the second best outside linebacker in the draft, especially as a pass rusher. But oh, he's a he's a beast, yeah. Yeah, he, he he physically he can play, mm-hmm. but he's a dumbass, so not really wanting him. Um, and then I, I have uh, Devonte Parker. I think he can he can play, and if the Saints take him, I reserve my rage until I see him in preseason because he has the ability to be a game breaker for the Saints, especially in our offense. He's a really nice scheme fit. But I want to see him out on the field because he could also be a guy where we go, yay, another Meacham, damn it. <laughs> well, but you know that – so that that scenario that Brian just laid out is – I think is a doomsday scenario. I mean I, you still could get a good player out of it, and it, it's not awful. But like that, that for me would be the worst-case scenario is that you're left picking between Devontae Parker, Trey Waynes, and Randy Gregory and like no, no one else that you pick would be good value at 13. That, that would be a tough pill to swallow because I have such high hopes for some of these other guys falling. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. the, that's the, the good, the good news is I think that the New York giants are going to take one of those three guys. I think the giants are either going to take uh Scherf or they're going to take Trey Waynes cause their secondary is kind of, yeah. Uh, or they're going to, they're going to, they're looking heavy at guards to protect Eli Manning. Cause it's really hard to get Beckham the ball or uh, cruise the ball when you're on your ass. Yeah. So now we got some fun Twitter questions. So um, this is from Adam Fauche. Who and Andrew, you can take this one. Who in the draft? Who is the draft process prospect most likely to fall or rise in the first round? That's a good question. Um, I think the guy most likely to fall is probably Shane Ray, um, just because he's kind of a He's kind of a, I don't want to say a one-trick pony, but he's got to be a right fit for the right scheme. He's a terrifying pass rusher, um, but I just think it's one of those things where if you're not able to fit into a lot of different schemes, um, you're going to drop. Um, so I think that's a guy that could drop for sure. I mean, I think Dupree is a real fast riser right now. I think a lot of people are high on him, and I think as time and time goes on, I think people start to view him as less and less of a risk and more and more of a polished guy that can come mm-hmm. in and maybe even contribute year one. Uh, Brian, who, who's your riser and faller? 
Um, I, I'd say probably my faller. I think I agree with Andrew. I think it's I think it's Shane Ray, especially after people watch tape and they really see Shane Ray has an incredible first step and he's very strong in his upper body. But when he doesn't win, when, when offensive linemen get their hands on him, he's done. I mean, done. He, he's out of the play. The play is over. And when they run at him, he, he gets he gets destroyed pretty frequently. I, I saw South Carolina wreck him and they weren't particularly impressive last year. Um, so I, I, I could see Ray dropping the guy. The rising, I think we've we've already talked about him. I, th- I think there's a good shot that you know Eric Armstead, you know, maybe ends up as a top ten, top fifteen pick, and he doesn't necessarily Ugh. have that value. I'm gonna give you guys a name, and you're gonna think I'm insane, but I think Todd Gurley is gonna go in the top ten. I, God, think I, so. I would I would be thrilled i think i think some team that's that's the christmas come early scenario i think i think some team is gonna is gonna take like like i could see well well now that i look at it maybe not does, does carolina pick before us no no good no, I mean, I, they I, made if, the he, if, he, if he went there i'd be i'd be i'd be concerned no now that i'm looking at the the, the teams i don't it, it, it's i was thinking I was thinking maybe if Minnesota was decided to move on from Peterson, but now now I changed my mind. I, I, the the other guy I think has a potential to 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 get really high. I think Randy Randy Gregory's tape is going to win all, and he's going to go in the top eight. And you can slide you can you can slide out whoever you want, Kevin White or Vic Beasley in mock drafts. But I just think some team is going to look at that tape for Gregory, and they're going to go. I don't care about the pot. Look at the tape. And they're, yeah, I mean, and they're gonna one pick. guy, you know, one guy we haven't talked about that's a riser is Dante Fowler. I mean, literally early yeah, in the yeah. process, you looked at him as a guy that a lot of mocks had the Saints taking him at 13. And there's just no way he's going to be available there now and because he, he, he the owned the combine. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. His, his, his underwear game was on point. Because <laughs> I call the combine the underwear Olympics. So. You know, I mean, he, you know, nutty professor, spandex, all spandex. That that's his game. If, but he, he's got good film too. Um, here's another one from Will Irwin. If we draft Ray in the first, would throwing myself in front of a bus be too strong of a response? Not by week eight, potentially. I'm not as down on Ray as uh, Brian here, is. I, I still think. I still think you need an insurance. It's too close to Junior Gallette for me. Um, but if you ship Junior Gallette out in a year and he becomes his replacement, it could work. I, 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 it's less of a disaster for me because I'm intrigued by his pass rushing Here, skills. Here's my but, theory. But I wouldn't be psyched. Here's my theory. Ooh, that, actually, real, real quick, and I'm sorry to overcut you, Ralph, but I got I to gotta go in about two minutes. So here's a podcast question for you guys talking about that. What about a draft day trade involving Junior? Like, you, we, you know, we get past pick 13 and someone right after us wanted a pass rusher and they're all gone. And we offer them Junior Gallette for their first round pick. How does that? I'm not entirely sure that some of the te- there's not some teams that might not go for that. Maybe. But, Andrew, how does it grenade the Saints cap? Yeah, I mean, it, basically, they'd have, I think it's like a 10 or 12 million dollar hit in dead money. So uh, there's really no way they can trade him this year. Um, yeah, I don't know the rules well enough to know if they can like make a trade, um, and, and signify it after June 1st, 
you know, if, if there's a way for Mickey Loomis to like tweak right. it to where it's not official till after right. June 1st, and then it could work. Brian, since you got a bail, give me your prediction for Saints at 13 and 31. Okay, at 13, I'm sticking with my guy. I think they take Bud Dupree. And at 31, I think it's Stefan Anthony. And I think that one or both of them end up at the end of the year in the conversation for Defensive Rookie of the Year. Okay, thanks. Thank you, Brian. Love it. No. All right, have a good one, guys. Yeah, right. thanks, man. All right, so uh, we're going to we're gonna finish this up, Andrew, with just a couple of, of other draft questions. Okay, odds sure. odds the Saints trade up to, say, seven to beat Atlanta to Beasley or Dupree. Mm, that's a good one. That's from Alfredo. It would drive hell crazy. But yeah, Saints, it would. The Saints' history is we when we want a player, we get him. Yeah, you can't rule it out. And for me, I, I don't think there's any way they're trading up for Dupree. I think – Dupree is arguably too high at 13 for me. Um, so I, I think you stand pat if that's your guy. I, I don't think you reach for Dupree because I don't think he's going to go in the top 12. I could be wrong. Um, but Beasley for sure. If you want Beasley um, and, and that's their guy, uh, there's a chance he could fall to 13, but I think it's a slim one. So you have to go up there and get him. Here's um, an interesting yeah, here's an interesting question from Mike Jones. If you had to do one of these scenarios, so you have to do one of them, mm-hmm. you either have to trade up for Omari Cooper, um, or down f- or trade down from 13, but you have to take Green Beckham at 31. Which one do you do? I trade up. I, I just think Green Beckham is. We've talked about this. You know, the, the Saints locker room is fragile right now. They're in the middle of some term, a lot of roster turnover. He hadn't played in a year. He hasn't played in a year. Um, uh, you're basically asking me if I want a, a sure thing, as close as there is to a sure thing in Cooper, or a complete question mark. But but you get more guys. Here, I, I, I just I just I know that Cooper is going to be a pro. Here bowler. here's the thing. I think. I think Green Beckham's going to plummet on draft day. That's just my opinion. I I think I think him not playing for a year combined with his off-field stuff, he is going to fall like a rock. He but, might be a third or fourth round yeah, still out there. Here's yeah. the thing though. In the th- with the second third round pick or the fourth round or god forbid one of the fifth round picks, knock yourself out Saints if you want to take him then. Because then, it's like we talked about earlier, then the value of it, Andrew, is they've drafted guys in the fourth round, Pittman, Fort, that they don't even make the team and cut. So if they want to roll the dice with him then, that's fine. But yeah. not not, not, not in the first – I would say not in the first – they can only start thinking about him with the second, third round pick. The that's, thing is when you're evaluating these guys, you, you – you're you basically have a cloud, you know, and I think that's what Sean Payton calls it. And so yeah. when you get down to your pick, you've got about three or four guys on your board and you're like, man, we really like these four. So which one are we going to pick? And if I just think if Green Beckham is in that range, the Saints have in the back of their mind, there's so many good receivers in this draft and we could take one that has good character and that fits our locker room. So, you know, if they're evaluating four guys, why are they going to take a guy that's a character concern when it's a deep position? Yeah. And um, I wanted to say this about Shane Ray. As we, you mentioned a guy that could drop. My theory on Shane Ray is they've had a lot of Missouri guys go 
in the draft in the last couple years on the line. And uh, Michael Sam was SEC Defensive Player of the Year. My theory is a lot of their success, mostly, and in fact, almost all of Michael Sam's success was due to Shane Ray being awesome. And I don't care that he can't stop the run and he's a one-trick pony. If he plummets and you can get him at 31 or you get him at 44, Andrew, I'm taking him. And I don't care if he has to split snaps with Junior Gallant because he has a he has a, a skill that is not good. It is a it is elite at getting yep. to the quarterback. And if he if that translates to the NFL and you get him at 31 or 44, that's a home run. So yeah, I mean, it's a similar argument to Shelton. It's almost like. If he's not going to get you more than five sacks a year, does it really matter if your your opponent's yards per carry goes down from – I'm making this up. I don't know what the Saints gave yeah. up in yards per carry last year, but it goes down from 5.4 per carry because that's what it felt like to 4.0. You shave over a yard per carry off of the average for your yeah. opponent. I don't care if he's only getting three sacks a year. It's worth it. Yeah. Yeah, so um and it's uh, the same argument. Yeah. It this is I'm not even going to try to pronounce the names, but here's a moment. First three picks, choose between Parker, the defensive end from UCLA and Anthony or Dupree, Kendricks and Walford. Who do you got? All right, one more time, what were the three? Parker, the defensive uh-huh. end from UCLA, right? Or Anthony, or you uh-huh. can have Dupree, Kendricks and Walford. Man, that's tough. Um, I think I go number two because I just think Kendricks and Dupree um, is a linebacking tandem that Parker. I, I like Devonte Parker, but I, I just again, I, I just I, I think there's a receiver they can get later that will help them, and Parker, I, I just think right be, now they got to fix the defense. He couldn't put up a thousand yards with Teddy Bridgewater as his quarterback. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, that's part just, of it. But I, I just think we, we've talked about how bad this linebacking core yeah. is. You get two guys that can come in and start in Dupree and Kendricks, and I almost don't care who they get as a third guy. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, thanks to everybody. Uh, one last question. This is from Joe Valente. Uh, who, what are the guys the Saints most likely to trade up for? Um, I, I, I don't know that they trade up out of 13. Call me crazy, Ralph, but – I just keep kind of going back to that Tampa game in the back of my mind, and they, yeah. they were they were dead to rights in that game, and yeah, Tampa quit, and they pulled all their good players, but if the Saints really wanted to lose that game, they could have. I mean, Tampa had it won, um, so if you really wanted to draft higher than you're drafting right Should've now, tanked better. then why didn't you just tank the game? You know, because so I, that I just, would have been the highest of high comedy, though, if because Tampa was trying to take and the Saints would have been trying to take it would have been just, you know, like if the Saints are like, how how far would Sean Payton have taken? Would he like pulled Breeze and put in Griffin would like Tampa only play seven guys on defense? Like well, what? Like what level would they that would have been fantastic? They would have because, you know, Bree, he would have told Breeze, look, just throw up instead of the touchdown pass to Colston. He would have said, look, just throw a pick. And so he probably would have hit a defender in the chest and the numbers on three consecutive passes. 
and they would have just like dropped it intentionally because, or tried to tip it to one of the Saints receivers. Because, because what Lovey Smith did in tanking that game is a masterclass. Like if, it really was. That's a five thousand level college course on how to tank a football game. Yeah. Like it was, it was, it was, it was brilliant in every way. Throw, throw the ball one time in the second half. Throw one pass. Was, yeah. Yeah. But oh. um, no, I, I think who did the Saints trade up for? I mean, I. I don't see it happening at 13, like moving up from 13. It could happen later, absolutely. Um, I, I, I could. The only thing I could see is if, let's say, in the mock draft, like Mike Mike Dettelier, he has the the Raiders picking Kevin White at four. So let's say that happens, and let's say the he let's say the Bears at seven don't take Amari Cooper, and let's say Amari Cooper gets to number nine with the Giants. Then I think the Saints, if Amari Cooper is like the number one guy on their board or number two, I think then they make a call to the Giants and they say, look, how about a third round pick to get us from from 13 to nine? And I, I think that would be a possible. I don't know that that, that would be enough. I, I think it could be. But I think if, if Amari Cooper falls to 9 or 10, which is not likely to happen, but if that would happen, Andrew, then I think the Saints – I think I think the Saints get a little itchy. Yeah. You know? We, we haven't mentioned Max Williams much, the tight end, but, uh, you know, I, I think – I like Josh Hill, and I think he's the guy, but Ben Ben Watson probably only has a year left. That, and, and it's yeah. really that those are the two tight ends they have, so they need more. Yeah. Um, I would not be surprised to see Max William end up on the Saints with if he falls to the third round. Um, I think well, they'll probably Mike take. has got him going first to thirty to Green Bay overall, but I could see I could see him being a guy at forty four. Like if the Saints would go, if they would go like offensively, like offensive lineman, defensive end, or whatever, you know at. 1331 and he's there at 44 i could i could definitely i could definitely see that but it's going to be interesting and there's always going to be there's always going to be um a there's always going to be a couple of stunners in those first 10 picks you just know it andrew it just is you know yeah yeah if you if you could walk away with you basically if i could say okay you're getting four defensive players out of the first five picks. You know, and you're going to feel better about your defense. You're going to feel yeah. like the Saints went into the draft and they did what they needed to do to bring in talent that's going to improve you on that side of the ball. Now, you've got one of those first five picks left. And I don't tell you where you're where you're selecting this offensive player. Could be 13th overall, could be one of the third round picks. But you only get one choice. You get either offensive lineman or you get playmaker. And you can only help Drew Brees one of two ways because the other four of the five picks are going defense. Ooh, that's a hard one. I, I, you know what, Andrew? I'm going offensive line because I really feel like the Saints, if they can add a piece, whether it's Collins at 13 or it's another guy that they say they got the, the, the kid from Hobart at guard and he came in, they got him in the third round. If they add depth and make that line good again – I feel I'm confident that Sean Payton and Drew Brees will be okay on offense. I just I history tells me that. Yeah. That they're going to be okay. I mean, I think Sean Payton when he traded away Jimmy Graham, I I really think he said, "Look, 
we've won without Jimmy Graham already. And uh, he believes in the system. And he believes that as long as he has an all-pro elite quarterback pulling the trigger behind yeah. center, that he you can plug in any NFL quality level talent. It doesn't have to be elite. And the offense will be top five in the NFL. And if they get Greg Jennings signed, you know, um, I feel okay. like I, I think they're going to be, I think they're going to be okay. As long as number nine is taking snaps and, you know, if they solidify that offensive line, I feel fine about their offense. I know the, the rest of the country won't, and they're going to be a trendy pick to bomb, but I just, my confidence in Sean Payton and Drew Brees is high enough to believe they'll be okay. Um, so Andrew, any final hardcore thoughts about the draft before we wrap this up? Is there, is there anything, is there anything that we haven't touched on that you're, you're going to be, uh, players or anything that you want to get out before we we wrap? Yeah, I, I just, the, the thing I keep going back to is quarterback and there, there's an uneasiness in the pit of my stomach and most of, uh, of my thought process is telling me. There's no way they're going to trade up for a quarterback. There's no way that they're going to take a quarterback in the second mm-hmm. round. Uh, and, and, and so I, I'm hoping that that's true. Um, but they did have a pre-draft interview with Winston. And I saw on NFL.com today, um, the NFL.com tweeted their latest mock draft for the site. And Mariotto fell to 13 or 14. Um, and, and so he kind of he slid. And I'm just part of me has this uneasy feeling that the Saints are either going to trade up for a quarterback and we're all going to be screaming, oh, my God, what are you doing? Um, or uh, <laughs> they, t- they take one in the second round, you know, where it's like, man, there were so many good defensive players we could have taken. And, yeah, we didn't you know, get one of the top two guys. But, man, that that would sting because then it's like, well, that's great that you're getting who you think is your heir apparent. To Drew Brees, but I don't we give. Just, a, we, we totally blew an opportunity to help. Ca- I don't care about the heir apparent to Drew Brees. I really don't. Well, it, I, it's it's not so much that it's that I'm comfortable with McCown and Griffin. Like I, I just think that situation for now is fine. Yeah, like I mean, if 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 Bryce Petty would plummet and he would be there like second pick in the third round or even the fourth round, like and you really like him, okay. But like no, so we'll see. I mean, this draft, this draft, I would say Andrew. On a scale, on the excitement scale, I haven't been as excited going into a draft since 2006 when they picked number two. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the the one thing that gives me hope, Ralph, is I will say this. I mean, at least in terms of what's out there, uh, this is by far the most visits, the most interviews, um, the most the most places that the head coach has personally gone to visit. Mm-hmm. He's gone out of his way. Um, you know, they've sent Rob Ryan. Yeah. I mean, God, they, they hosted Anthony Spencer, a guy they end up signing without Sean Payton, without Mickey Loomis. They were they were both in Arizona at the time and they let Rob Ryan meet with them. And, and I think the, the reason why is they're like, it's not that we don't want to meet the guy. It's not that we don't want him on our team. Clearly, they did because they signed him. But they were like, nope, no, we really need to do due diligence. They know the they, they and this is my final thought and we'll get out of here. This is the most important draft in Saints history because the Saints likely are never going to have as good a quarterback as Drew Brees ever again. So they've got to hit this draft. If they if they hit this draft, they could get three to five more years of being a contender and having to 
fun times, playoffs, maybe another Super Bowl, all of it. If they botch this, it's they up. could they could be in the abyss in two years if Drew Brees, God forbid, something happens. I mean, it's it's that it's that critical. It's a them. crossroads. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree with you, and I, but I think if, if if there's any hope here, it's that they get a guy that that's, has a yeah. decent track record with talent evaluation in Ireland. Not not a pristine one, but a decent one. And uh, they've been doing their homework. They've been out there. They've been yep. putting in the hard yards. And you just got to hope it pays off. Yep. Well, all right, Andrew. It's going to be a fun time. So for Brian Pavic of Saints Nation, for Andrew, this has been the draft, ca- the draft extravaganza.